Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 197 of the Quickie Podcast. Got some new episodes here. Took a week off to play a couple of replays. Feels good to be back. Got some fun stuff for you. Before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to read another review and rating that was left on Apple Podcasts for me. Um, It goes like this. Subject is, designers need to tune in. Five stars. Gosh, I love that. This review is left by G. Fernand. It says, Dave is an incredible host and does an amazing job at facilitating the most interesting conversations. As a fellow podcast host, I know this is not easy. Great humor and tons of knowledge to bless your day with. Looking forward to more episodes. G. Fernand, thank you so much for leaving that rating and a review. Um, I'm going to go humble here and just say, I don't see it, but I appreciate it. I really appreciate the kind words and that you're getting some value out of the show. That's what it's all about. Now, one other little bit before I introduce today's guest, I am part of the Simply Profitable Designer Summit. This is an online summit going on between Monday, March 23rd and Friday, the 27th. There are dozens of presentations from speakers on all sorts of backgrounds giving you as the graphic designer value. Let me just touch on some of these things. We've got Lindsay Tremel jones talking about from side hustle to profitable passion. We've got Abby McGrew talking about proposals that convert. We've got Jennifer Bourne, sales-free sales calls. Michelle Martello, Surefire Ways to Retain Premium Clients You Adore. Um, Alex Coddles, Stop Living Client to Client. My gosh, what else do we got here? With Grace and Gold brings the info of Multiply Your Marketing plus Multiply Your Revenue. Then, of course, yours truly, Dave Hopkins, talking about my passion, print design, and how to get started. We've got Katie Scott, How to Budget for Profit. We've got Melanie Lee, How to Make Getting Clients as Easy and Natural as Breathing. Holy crap, that sounds dead simple. We've got Jason Resnick, How to Spot a Bad Client and Position Yourself to be Respected. Guys, this is going to be a loaded and awesome event that you definitely need to check out and be a part of. There's so much value here. There are interviews that are pre-recorded, but you can log in and there's live chat going on with all the other students. This is its third or fourth year now, and there is literally thousands of other designers all over the world that attend this event. It is really, really well set up, really, really well organized, and I highly recommend it. So if you want to find out more information, go to summit.davetalksprint.com. That is summit.davetalksprint.com, and that'll have all the information that you need to check it out. There's two levels of tickets. There's the basic sort of entry just to the presentations, but then there's like the level up with nearly $4,000 in extra bonuses and benefits and uh, worksheets and other presentations and all kinds of stuff that you get for like a minimal few extra bucks. Like it's crazy. Amazing deal. You got to go check it out. Again, that's summit.davetalksprint.com. So today, here we are for episode 197. Jesus, 200 is right around the corner. But before we can think about number 200, let's get into this. Today's guest is Jessica Goldsmith. She's a graphic designer and illustrator working under Chick of All Trade out of Brooklyn, New York. We talk about how her design is inspired by that 90s nostalgia. Pretty freaking cool there. I grew up in that 
era, so it's pretty awesome to me as well. Talk about her unique path to graphic design and uh, really where her creativity started with uh, magazine collages in a room back in the day. We also get into why she got into design, an art event that she went to my in Miami that was crazy influential to her, like amazing event. We talk about how the path to filling her freelance schedule has been the toughest time in her career so far. We touch on uh, how fakeclients.com has been a resource for her in sort of building her skills and reading into different briefs and that sort of thing. We talk about a really weird story for a job that she was a part of. It was sort of IT design in the back, but also a laser spa in the front. And uh, she tells us how it got really weird and did not end well. We talk about her other Instagram account called Pop Snacks. That's P-O-P-S-N-A-X-X account. Um, What it is, why she started it, and why she's so proud of it. That and so much more in this amazing interview with Jess Goldsmith. So let's get to it. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey Jess, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing terrific. You are calling from Brooklyn, New York, and I left a little piece of my heart over in New York there. I can't wait to get back. Yeah, you got to come come visit. It's going to be a nice time. Definitely. I definitely will. There's def- there's so many different sites and things like that that I just didn't get a chance to check out. Not sites. I don't want to use the word sites, but restaurants and cool sites like smells. local secret <laughs> things. And I just didn't yeah, eat enough pizza. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of smells. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot, lot of smells, a lot of smells. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get rolling, are you ready for a quickie? I am ready for a quickie. Let's do it. Happy this. days. Let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. My name is Jess Goldsmith. I am a graphic designer and illustrator from Brooklyn, New York, as we just spoke about. Um, I find a lot of inspiration in nostalgia from a few different decades, color and humor. I love that. Color and humor. Okay, so what are the decades? What are the nostalgic decades for you, Jess? I'm curious on sort of like not asking you how old you are, but I'm just going to pull it out from that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the decades that I get inspired by go go farther back from when I was born. Yeah. Um, so like for sure the 90s, you know, that's, that is that is my decade to just yeah. to age myself there. But I, I love, you know, um, stuff from the 50s, the 40s, even like, really really old cartoony stuff like the the old school mickey mouse cartoons oh yeah How everything steamboat looked like Willy. yeah everything steamboat and and the way that things looked like very oil slick and shiny even though they were two-dimensional i i really like that awesome yeah okay 90s that was my my decade too that was my that was my place a lot of growing yeah. in the 90s. I'll put it that yes. way. <laughs> yeah. So I want to sort of dissect this story a little bit. Um, but you are working as Chick of All Trade. Yes. 
chick of all trade. That's right. And when did you start? Is that that's freelance, correct? Yeah. Cool. So when did you did you do some studio time? Did you do some, or did you go straight to freelance? What was the the course of that for you? So I mean, I have a. I don't even know if we have time for the entire story of how I got into really what I do. But essentially, I was working as a traditional artist. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I I need to do this. It was just in my heart and soul. And I ended up meeting somebody that wanted to hire somebody that was a designer. And I'm like, I'm not really a designer, but I could be. Um, and then kind of just through that, I ended up self-teaching myself everything about um, graphic design and what I need to know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I was just like, okay, I want to work for myself. My Instagram name was Chick of All Trade. I thought it was really cute and fun. And eventually, I, you know, I built the website for that. And it kind of manifested into its own brand. Got it. So you kind of had like a unique road, I guess, to that graphic designer title. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now I'm going to kick this back a little bit and dissect it a bit. Um, What was your childhood like, Jess? And did you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this creative career direction? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, My earliest memory of being creative was when I was like anywhere between eight and 10 years old. I would stay up on Saturday nights till like three or four in the morning, like a crazy person cutting out magazine clippings and making these collages. And I was like so obsessive about it. Um, and like that was my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would go to like a couple of like, you can't see the air quotes, but to traditional art classes. Um, and I think like the art teachers were always like, that's not how it's done. And I was like, art is subjective. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But that, yeah, that's that's my earliest memory of, of being creative. And very recently, my mom gave, gave me this this scrapbook um, that I of like little drawings and scribbles that I did when I was like in kindergarten, maybe like two or three years old. Um, and I have that sitting in my bookshelf that it's nice to look back on. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I was I was born for this. Very cool. So you started like sketching and drawing and things like that, like uh, always, in the womb, in the womb. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I always find it interesting how that creative side is you know so much more common in kids it almost seems like we're all as kids being creative and drawing and create and coloring and doing that sort of thing but at some point in childhood or adolescent years it just you either veer one way or the other right it's like yeah i think there's a lot of pressure from like our i guess our teachers our parents i i think we're moving away from it in 2020 but in general, at least we used to live in a society where like the arts weren't something that people looked up to. It was more of like, oh, you're a designer. So like, so like you, you draw logos and you know, even, even today, even the last couple of weeks, somebody recently said, said that to me. And I was like, no, you know, when you look outside and you see all the giant billboards and the clothing that you're wearing, the t-shirt design and the packaging on the food that you eat, that's what we do. And he's like, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, no, it's okay. I just needed to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, we're everywhere. Yeah. I, I get sassy. I get sassy about it. <laughs> That's so funny. So was there a, um, you know, like a family member who was involved in the art community or was a designer that sort of encouraged yeah. you to continue in that route? Yeah, uh-huh. 100%. Um, my mom is super artistic. She's also super talented. Shout out to my mom. I love you. Um, <laughs> she was a graphic designer before I was born. And this was before, you know, everything was done on computers. She would do mm-hmm. everything by hand. She would do the typography by hand. 
um, when, you know, as designers, we talk about like cutting and slicing and we're like, okay, that's on Adobe Illustrator, but she like actually would cut and slice. And, you know, we talk about it now and I'm like, that's crazy to me. I wouldn't have been able to do that. So she, she didn't end up being um, a graphic designer throughout her life. She kind of stopped once uh, myself and my siblings were born. Um, but yeah, that's where I get my creativity and my artistry from for sure. Awesome. So she obviously always encouraged you to pursue that mm-hmm. creative vision. Yeah, 100%. And she's so proud of me, and it makes me so happy that she is. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, definitely shout out to mom. I'm going to have to like tag her on Instagram if she's Instagram. <laughs> At KitKatM67. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right, so now I want to get into what, what has been the most influential design of your life so far, Jess? It's kind of a big, bold question, but what is something you saw on yes. this creative journey that has just stuck with you since? Okay, so I think my answer is going to be a little bit non-traditional because I, I I didn't get into design to be a good person. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I'm not a good person, but I didn't get into design to change the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into design to be like, Let me, how can I make everything better? Um, I'm a very creative person by nature and I want to make money. So I know that that's not the answer that probably most people would say, like, I'm in it for the money, but at the end of the day, it's a job and I'm in it for the money. That being said, I've worked with a lot of nonprofits and I continue to work with a lot of nonprofits, both pro bono and not. And it does make me feel good knowing that doing what I love can make a difference. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of like a non-traditional answer. Um, but that's, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. So would you say that some of the work that you've done with nonprofits then is some of the work that has influenced you in your career the most? Or is there a single piece of mm. art or piece of design that you saw that really is the, the piece yeah. that kicked it off? That's so hard. That's so hard. I, I can't think of one single piece that kicked anything off. Um, a few years ago, I went to Art Basel in Miami that inspired me like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't think there's any one single piece or any one, one single project. It's a culmination of, of all of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. No. And what was the event in Miami called? Sorry, I missed that. Oh, Art Basel. Art Basel. Art Basel. It's like this huge art, uh, I don't even, it's not a show. It's like a <laughs> three day event. They have it in uh, Miami, Switzerland, and Tokyo. I've, yeah, so I was at the one in Miami. Awesome. Years uh, ago. That sounds great. So that yeah. was the very inspirational event for you then? That's something that sticks out in my mind. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, guess who are some of the designers or brands that you look up to and closely follow right now? And what is it about them that you like? Okay. I love everything that Mary Kate McDevitt puts out. Um, her work is mostly typeface, but like her colors, her textures, like the the life that she puts into it is I don't know it just speaks to me. I think a lot of her pieces have that nostalgia that it probably is you know what I'm seeing and I'm just like yes this is so me. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, I follow very closely Andy J Pizza. He's on Instagram. He also has a podcast. Yep. Um, and his podcast kind of helps uh, creatives navigate through their creative career. Um, and that's not just limited to illustration and design, but creatives across the board. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his advice has actually been very helpful and useful in creating the life and career that I've wanted. 
Yeah, it's a great show, and he is a great guy, and uh, I really appreciate the stuff that he puts out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with those two said, I have a little question in here just about print and packaging. That's where sort of okay. my, my passion is, my excitement is. So I want to I want to touch, you know, keep my ears on the street and, you know, mm-hmm. hear what people are doing in the print and packaging world. So um, tell us how you have utilized print or packaging design in your career. Any stories around any special projects to you that were printed? Um, who? I got to think about this one. Give me, give me one second. We might have to edit my pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't have any specific stories in print packaging. Um, I have advice more so if that's useful. And my advice is to always use mock-ups because that's going to, for me at least, it's going to make or break how I feel about the design. And I think that'll help the, the client along as well because you can see something super two-dimensional and it'll look great or it won't look or, or it won't actually. And then once you put that on that product package and you see it in like everyday use, you're kind of like, oh, wow, OK, I can actually see this on the shelf or I can see this on someone's bookcase or, you know, depending on, on what the, the print product is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really helps bring it to life um, for yourself and for the client. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of using mockups to to get the abstract idea into the real world version of the print. You know what? That is a great piece of advice because um, it's not always easy to look at something on screen or a PDF, even if you've taken your your visual mock-up file and placed it in a photo of shelving or something like that. It's, it's not the same as physically seeing it in store. And I always encourage people, especially on the packaging side, when you're creating a box or a label for something, you want to see how that looks in, in that marketplace environment. You want to see how it looks with the lighting in that environment. So literally print it out, mock it up, stick it on the same jar, bottle, whatever it is you're putting it on and take it to the store. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I was thinking more digital mock-ups where it's not just, oh, you know, you a can step further. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to start doing that. I like it. <laughs> yeah. It just creates so much more of a visual. And not only that you get, you can always, you get sometimes get people walking past, right. And then you get their look. So what are they looking at? What do they see? Are they looking directly up at that product? Is it standing out? You know, you can get a little bit more feedback than just sending the PDF to the file or PDF, like of an image to the client. Yeah, anytime I have a final um, final de- design or even, you know, a little bit before it's final to, mm-hmm. to help the client decide whether or not this is something that they for sure want or if they want edits, always use a mock-up. It's, it's really, it's going to help so much. Always use a mock-up. Great advice. Always, yes. I love it. All right, Jess, I got to do this. We're getting into the tough stuff here. I've got Oof. a few questions that are going to drag you through the mud a little bit, bring up some bad memories. Um, oh. And then we'll share the stories and quickly move past them and finish up in a happy place. Okay, great. Sound good? Great. Yes. Awesome. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Hmm. So only in like the last maybe like four to five months or so have I been seeing like really consistent work and I'm actually working like full-time hours now within mm-hmm. my freelance career. Um, and it's it's been really hard some months, you know, like really, really hard. You want to do what you love, but you also have to be able to pay your bills. You have mm-hmm. to eat dinner, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, beer for dinner isn't really the answer most, 
those nights. So, you know, say, staying persistent and consistent um, is, is really how I've gotten through those really, really tough times. Showing up every single day um, really got me there. And when I didn't have clients, you know, it's kind of like, well, what do I do? Just sit there and stare at the wall? And the answer is no, don't be an idiot. Obviously, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, there's a couple of things that you could do. One, I just brushed up on my skills. You know, there's there's a million websites out there that either have it paid or for free that you can yeah. continue brushing up on your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the website fakeclients.com because they can give you briefs oh, that you could just cool. work on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's no reason for you to, like, be sitting and doing nothing. It's really, really hard. But if you're consistent and you get through those, you can get through those tough months, weeks, whatever it is by pushing yourself through. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do have like three pieces of advice that really, really, that I've heard from other people that really helped me get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Show up every day, like I just said. Create the work that you want to be hired for. Um, And most importantly, you guys should write this one down, um, learn how to be okay crying in public. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So there's obviously a story behind that one. Uh, and freelancing's now you, rough. Yeah, now you have to share it. <laughs> There's no one single story. I mean, freelancing is really rough. You got to be ready for rejection and not be able to take it personally. The beginning of my career, um, I, I took it very personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, well, I created this. It came from me. It's like, imagine somebody walking up to you and saying, hey, your baby's super ugly. Like, that sucks. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, just. I'll be okay with crying and put you know your car is better but i'm i'm in new york so you know i, I don't have a car yeah but yeah just, just be comfortable so it could be subway home I you could be sitting at the coffee shop and you get an email saying this oh, is crap God. and then yeah i think there i think there's a website out there somewhere that's like or, or a, like a buzzfeed list like best best places to cry in public in new york city i'm pretty sure that exists <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible okay i love that advice i love that be okay to cry in public Yes. Um, sort of another question I thought of along that line is when you are filling that pipeline for your freelance career and continuing work, you're like there's a sales portion to that. Oh, yeah. Are you, where are you at with sales? Are you comfortable with sales? How did you push yourself to do it? Because it's kind of a necessary evil. And yeah, it's not, not I, that it's evil. It just has this tough perception. Yeah. I, um, I personally hate doing sales so much it sucks because I feel like I need to turn off all empathy inside of me which is very hard for me and become like this stern businesswoman um it's rough it's it's not my favorite thing to do I've been very lucky slash blessed enough to have started working with agencies that kind of deal with that stuff for me now Mm -hmm. um as a freelancer. That being said, I still have my own clients and yeah, it's, it's hard for for me, somebody that's so empathetic, somebody comes to me and they're like, okay, here's here's the price that you gave me, but can you cut it by 50% because I can't afford it? I need to be ready to say, I'm sorry, or don't, don't say I'm sorry, depending on how you're feeling about it. (laughs) Um, the, the answer is no, I can't give you a discount. Um, but I can do a payment plan or you can do 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%, 50-50, whatever. Um, for the longest time I was giving discounts mm. and it, the work was not worth it for me anymore. It really wasn't. I, I ended up getting, pay, I was getting paid minimum wage, which is fine when I was the really young adult, but you know, I'm, I'm coming into my thirties now and making $15 an hour isn't going to cut it. 
No, for sure. Plus, as you get older and as your experience grows, your value grows. Yes, that needs to 100%. translate. That needs to translate to what you are charging as well. Yeah, I mean, I have clients and say, "Well, if it only took you an hour, why are you charging me four hundred dollars?" And I was like, "I'm charging you four hundred dollars because it only took me an hour." Yeah, exactly. You're welcome to go to Fiverr and pay fifteen dollars. Exactly. Like yeah. it's, it's totally, yeah. you're welcome to like, if, if this is beyond your budget, this isn't where you want to be, then exactly. I respectfully decline to discount this business and see you later. Yeah. And that being said, my prices are not outrageous. I want design to be accessible to people, but it also needs, you know, I need to be able to pay my bills and take care of what I need to take care of. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Okay, I want to get a little bit more specific now. Can you take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Oh, okay. <laughs> you already know how I feel. I told you. Response. I'm sorry, okay. Jess. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So like, no, no, again, my, I feel like my answers are so off with you and I apologize, but like this isn't specifically a project, but a job that I had. Um, and I was, it's super weird. I was working as a sole creative, um, at an IT company that had a laser spa in the back. Um, I don't like New York is crazy. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it was like an employee perk or it was just like shared no, space and there no, was no, no, a no, separate no. laser business in the back. It was, it, it was the same owner. Okay. She had an IT company and she decided she wanted to open up a laser spa and it was in the same area. Like it wasn't. Okay it wasn't separated other than like a hallway. So lots of different clients coming through. Very weird. Um, yeah. So I was working there as a sole creative and the boss, my boss there, she has no design background, which is fine. That's why she hired me. Um, she was so insistent in being part of every design and like, she couldn't let go of the fact that she was not the target demographic. Um, so she wanted everything to look exactly like what, what she wanted. So her personal preference was, okay, think like late 80s telenovela aesthetic. Nice. Like that's her personal aesthetic, which I personally hate, but that's fine. It's hers. But she was so insistent on, on making like all, everything that I created look like that. Meanwhile, her, her demographic was super high-end, fancy, rich clients on Wall Street. So I'm like, I, I tried explaining to her, like, look, I understand that you like this and that's cool, but this is not going to attract who you want to bring in. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, the, it's just not going to happen because the people that are working on Wall Street are super corporate. They want everything to be clean cut, nice. They don't want to see, I mean, one of the cards she had me create, it was just like a, a literally like a, a picture of like a couple making out in steam, which I don't know what that has to do with a laser spot or IT, but okay. Anyway, um... I was forced to execute all of those designs and I hated them and it was soul crushing and none of them are on my portfolio because I hate them all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my long answer. That is, uh, <laughs> I love how you explained away the laser spa, IT and laser spa because you know, you know, New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's how, that's how it is. Got it. So what was the, what was the exit? Was it just one day you had enough or did you finally, like, did you have built up oh. clients where you could finally leave comfortably? Like, what was it? I got a job offer for a much, much better gig, um, get more money. Um, and it ended really badly when I quit. She, long story short, she got very racist 
and anti-Semitic. Um, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to get into it, nope, but I'm happy sure. I'm not there anymore. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. And I am happy for you that you're out of that situation. Me too. I think everyone's happy. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um, it's always pretty hard, like with managing where to price because, you know, like I said before, I want to be empathetic and be able to make design accessible to people. So, you know, if I'm working with a smaller business or an individual, I'll, I'll try to gauge that and kind of do a sliding scale type of deal. Um, but there's no way in hell I'm giving a discount to a large corporation or an established company. So it's, it's, you don't want to scare people away with a large price, but you don't want to undersell yourself either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's a balance and it's a little bit arbitrary. So yeah, that's it. It's confusing. It's always mm-hmm. been a hard thing for me. And that kind of goes into the whole thing of sales. So then when you're presenting something, a client has come to you and said, this is what we're looking for. And this, 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 and this, do you go back to them with here is my one price to execute what you have asked for? Or do you go back with a couple of different prices with some options, some lower price stuff, some higher price stuff? Um, it depends on how specific the client is. If they mm-hmm. come to me and they're like, I want X, Y, and Z, and this is exactly what I need, then I that's obviously easier for me to price. But if they're like, I'm thinking about rebranding, I definitely need a logo, I might need some web stuff also, I would be like, okay, well, you definitely need a logo, so here's the price for just the logo. Um, this would be if you have a logo and some branding. This is logo and branding plus extra. This is the website. It's it, it's really hard to gauge right off the bat unless the client is super specific, which mm-hmm. let's be real. Most are not. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is Good. in my experience. Yeah. Got it. Um, <clears throat> so it really de- just depends on what does the customer know about what they want coming to you. It's, it, but it sounds like the most of them come to you not entirely sure. And are also looking for some guidance on what you feel yeah. they, should, they should do. Exactly. And I don't want to be the type of person that I'm like, oh, well, I can squeeze a website out of them and that's going to be a lot of money. Like I ask them questions and I'm like, okay, well, if you have a website, does it have to be Mm e-commerce? Is that, you know, I I try to gauge in that way. Yeah. Just asking questions and and finding out what they really need, what they really want. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Okay, Jess, I'll turn this bus around here. Um, tell me about a project that you have been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing. Uh, so a while ago I created this Insta. I created a website for it too, but I created an Instagram called pop snacks. It's P O P S N A X X. You guys yeah. should follow it. <laughs> um, and it's my two favorite things, pop culture and snacking. So I basically, I do like these illustrations of you know celebrities singers rappers whatever and, and i put them into like little food packaging which again <laughs> you know that. um <laughs> yeah it's really cute it's really fun um it's not anything that i've monetized or plan on monetizing mm-hmm. if i did i'd probably have to get a lot of licensing signed off but this is more of just like a fun project for me that i thought i wanted to see it in the world so i put it out there very cool so when did you start that um Gotta say, like within the last maybe six to eight months, it's mm-hmm. pretty new. Yeah. It's something that's been on my mind for a while. I, I like to think I'm a very punny person. So <laughs> a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of puns involved. It's a lot of fun. I like it. And I do take submissions. So um, if you guys want to email or DM me on that, uh, I would love 
to get some. Awesome. I'm definitely going to tag that account in this. Um, Thank you. Jess, what is one design product, tool, website, or a community that you just can't live without? Procreate. Oh, my nice. God. Love the show. Yes. Yeah. Procreate app. I mean, my entire career changed because of it. It made my career, like, amazing. So, mm-hmm. so, so excited about Procreate. They do not sponsor me, but I wish they did. Please sponsor me, Procreate. Um, <laughs> I'm Yeah, I started off as, like, a... A traditional artist so I've always been like analog first so for me to be able to go in on my iPad and like draw everything out and then kind of tra- like bring that into illustrator and then vectorize it that mm-hmm. that really ugh, makes my life so much easier and it's fun how long did it take you to get the hang of the app like, like three hours honestly it's so easy it's so easy and it's so user-friendly um I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> okay, I have it on my iPad. I've got the Apple Pencil and I've looked at it and I've wanted to start it, but I just, I, yeah, just, I haven't, I haven't. Just out do of it. the fear of how much yeah, time is it going to take me to figure this out before I can oh, create so something easy. that makes me smile. It's so okay. intuitive. It's so intuitive. Yeah. Okay. I got to give it a go. You've yeah, encouraged sure. me. Well, Jess, you've reached Yay. the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's where I have a question Ooh. for you from my last guest. And you get an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest, but I'm not going to tell you who they are. So my last guest was Kara Hibbs. She's an illustrator and printmaker out of a studio called Oh Little Rabbit out near Portland. And she wanted to ask you, when you hit an inspiration wall and the creative juices just aren't flowing, how do you get inspired or clear your fog to get back to creating? Okay, yeah. This, this happens a lot more than I care to admit. I used to just like keep pushing myself and I'm like, okay, get it done, get it done. But that mm-hmm. doesn't help. The for- forcing yourself doesn't help. So um, I, I take a break. I'm, I put my shit down and I'm like, okay, just walk away from this. Take your brain off of it completely. Go watch some TV or listen to a podcast mm-hmm. or anything else but the work. I know, you know, sometimes you have deadlines and you don't have the luxury of time, but if you really hit a wall, it's better to, you know, get it done and have it look good than just give something in that's like not your all. So yeah, take my mind off of it completely. Um, and I usually find that taking a break from it, um, allows my, allows the, the fog to clear. Beautiful. Um, so just before I ask you your question, you had mentioned, you know, you, you leave and you go sit down and watch TV. Um, if you do that, what are you tuning into? Mm, okay, well, Netflix got rid of Friends, which is very upsetting. They um, got rid so of now Friends it's, it's the, uh, in the U.S. Oh, okay, yeah, we Whew. we don't have Friends anymore. It's horrible. It's like we were literally just watching it last night. This is not good. <laughs> like what? What has happened today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like Friends or The Office, like really nothing that has to do with design. Just funny shows that I really enjoy watching and I find comforting. Yeah to me I, I kind of always have the office playing in the background oh yeah a good background show for sure yeah i have been hearing lots of talk about a show called love is blind on oh Netflix. my god yeah of course i love trash tv okay so <laughs> i you, i don't watch much tv at all like i my tv watching is background friends when my wife is watching it that's that's okay. my extent of tv um but a couple of nights ago i was sitting there. I'm like, you know what? I'm not tired. I got to take my mind off work. I'm going to just put something on Netflix. 
And I open it up and Love is Blind comes up. And I'm like, I heard a lot about this. I'm not usually a reality TV guy, but ah, what the heck? It's just brainless TV. Let's just watch it. Jess, I watched four episodes. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you you rooting for? (laughs) Okay, like at first, Jessica, like I wanted that to end well. And Matt, I wanted that to end Mm -hmm. well. Like, oh, just just all of them. You know what? Who my, my like silver lining, like I hope it all works out. It, the, their names escape me now, but the I think it was the guy, the first guy to propose. Um, oh, uh, uh, I know his name is Cameron. I forgot Cameron. Yes, I, want, I can't remember the yeah. the girl's name that he proposed to. Yeah, but that was I was like, oh man, I hope that works out well. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it's on Netflix. If you guys like yeah. those types of shows, you should watch it. I will say that uh, Diamond and the guy that she. Um, said yes to. I hope that crashed and burned like from the moment that they started talking. I was like, nope. <laughs> not for me. Not for me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Totally off topic. I had to find somebody who That's was into it. Totally fine, yeah. Um, Jess, what is your ask it forward question for my next guest? Um, what does your work-life balance look like as a creative? Mm. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Jess, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to episode 197 with Jess here. Definitely go check her out on Instagram at Chick of All Trade, but also her other account at Pop Snacks. That's P-O-P-S-N-A-X-X. Go check them out. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you Wednesday.